in our praying about the Middle East issue, and the, probably the greatest burden on my heart is all of those hostages that are being kept and how that they need to be released. And I know that you've seen some of the cruel things that were done and uh, little babies beheaded in front of their mothers and things like that. We need to really pray about that. Okay, this 23rd Psalm, the subject matter tonight is going to be the Lord is my shepherd. That's going to be the subject. And I want to tell everybody that the preacher is sure thankful to be able to make that statement. If I couldn't make that statement, I got no business preaching from this psalm. Amen? So what an awesome thought. To be able to say that, the Lord is my shepherd. Now I'm going to read all the psalm, so you follow me as we read it, and then we're going to go back to that title. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. I don't know whether you ever thought about that or not, but that's what it says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. This is one of the most powerful of all the Psalms. And I don't know but what I can't say that it's one of the most powerful passages where, of Scripture that's put together in all of the Bible. I know that when I'm reading this, I can say that it is probably the most powerful passage in all of the Bible, but when I'm reading some of the other wonderful texts in the Bible, I think they are probably the most powerful of all the texts that are in the Bible. So when I state that, I'm excluding making a single verse, uh, a passage that one would uh, determine their belief system, because it's so easy for them to be taken out of their context. What we've read tonight is the context. I've shared with you the title of our study, and I can tell you tonight that it is in the context of this passage of Scripture here. And a good example of that, of course, is John 3.16. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. I love it so much, but it's probably one of the most abused single verses of Scripture in all of the Bible. There are people who absolutely don't know what the context of the Word of God is when it's related to salvation. And so I've preached from that verse of Scripture, John 3.16, and, and the meaning of it. And I want to tell you, it probably won't be very long until 
I'll do it again. I'll do it again because it's so very important that we understand that. But that's a good example of that. Of course, there are many other portions of Scripture, and they have, this is my personal experience, they have determined my belief system. What I believe, I believe so firmly and so strongly because of the Word of God. I remember, and I've shared this little story with you before, but I've always thought that it was a good story, and it's one that the Lord uh, really blessed me, related to. I was uh, doing a job for a man one time, and he knew that I was a Baptist preacher, and he was not a Baptist. So he took it upon himself to challenge me on some of the things that I believed and taught and preached. And I never will forget it related to the things that we find taught in Ephesians chapter 1, the first 14 verses of that chapter, which, by the way, were uttered without taking a breath. There's no period till you get to the end. Of, I think it's the 14th verse. And so that's an awesome passage of Scripture. And I'd been in his house, and I noticed that he had in his house a Matthew Henry commentary set. And so I said, well, i tell you what I'll do. You get your Matthew Henry commentator out, commentary out, and you study it up real good on this text. And I gave him the text. And I said, now, when you're ready, uh, we will, I'll sit down and write you a paper on every single verse of that passage of Scripture. I will tell you, I'll write it out, what I believe that that says and what I believe it means. And I'll give you the opportunity to do the same thing. When we get to the end of that, we will have settled this issue. He said, okay. Of course, sometime later, I asked him and he said, I don't want to do that. So I would assume that he probably went to his Matthew Henry commentary and he decided that he was wrong about what he was challenging me on. And by the way, I continued to work for him for some time and he never did challenge me uh, anymore. And so... Likewise, this text, this passage of Scripture, and um, it is a source of great comfort to us. When we can put ourselves in every line of this text, and I'm going to attempt to do that. I was, Brother David Reed and I were talking about this passage of Scripture, and I, I shared some of that with him, that every line of this text, when we can put ourselves in it, and we know we're there, then what great comfort that it brings us. It's also a, a source of God-honoring testimony. And when I tell you tonight, the Lord is my shepherd, that is a God-honoring testimony from me tonight. It doesn't, I, didn't, I don't say that to honor me, I say that to honor my shepherd in this, in this passage of Scripture. It's also a great source of assurance when we can find ourselves on every line, when we work our way through this psalm and we find ourselves on every line. It is a great source of assurance. As a matter of fact, if you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, then you can go to the end of the psalm and read the last line and it says, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see 
What an awesome psalm it is. And I would, of course, challenge anybody, you know, get in the psalm and find yourself there and it'll make you praise the great shepherd. Amen? You can't help it. You just simply cannot help it. You should not even want to. Now, few can relate in our day to a lot of the things that are taught us in the Word of God. And the reason for that is that it was just different in this Old Testament time when David was talking about being a shepherd, that God was his shepherd. And I'll share with you in a moment that certainly we would know that he knew what he was talking about when he talked about that. So few know because all of the Scripture, and particularly the Old Testament, was written by men of God who were led by the Holy Spirit who, and the Holy Spirit allowed them to write from their standpoint of experience. That's what he did. He allowed them to do that. And, of course, we have a great illustration of that here in this psalm tonight. And so he allowed them to write and relate to these wonderful truths as they had experienced. Now, those who have <coughs> uh, experienced things that are outdoor and natural maybe, uh, would, would a lot quicker understand it. I want to tell you there's a man in our congregation here tonight who probably can relate to this text better than anybody else. And his name is Cecil Gross because he is a sheep herder <laughs> and a goat herder. And he knows that probably better than any of us do. And so when he, of course there's a, a part of this that's different from today, uh, he's got them all fenced in, and they, he lets them go, and they take care of themselves. That wasn't the case in the Old Testament. That was not the case with David. Not the case at all. So today, the, there are too many people who are urban and man, in man-made environments, and especially city people would be inexperienced about sheep and being a shepherd and sheep herding. So all the scripture is subject to the natural world and we know that by the parables that Jesus used. If you sat down and you read all the parables that Jesus used, you would come to the conclusion that it had meaning in the natural world. It had meaning. And of course, he was talking to people too who could relate to this kind of this kind of thing. And so the, uh, these people who would be reading this psalm when David wrote it were familiar uh, with what he was talking about and familiar with the outdoors. Now David was a shepherd. David himself. He was an expert at this. David was a shepherd and he was the son of a shepherd. And we know something about what David's early uh, youth would have been like. Because the Bible tells us that when he was called uh, to uh, come before, was it Samuel? I'm not, I think it was Samuel. Brother Moore, you can correct me if I'm wrong about that. When they were considering somebody uh, to be king or whatever, uh, he was taken from the herd. He was taken from the sheep. He was keeping his father's sheep. That's exactly the way it's stated uh, in the scripture. So his father was a shepherd, and David 
was a shepherd too. And we know probably one of the most impressive things, story of David, was when he was probably about 15 or 16 years old, somewhere along in there, that he came to check on his brothers. You remember the story. They were fighting in the army, and he was sent by his father to check on them. I think, if I'm not mistaken, his father sent them some grub, and he went to check on them. And when he got there, there was, they were fighting the Philistines, and there was this giant that would come and uh, challenge the uh, Jewish soldiers, the Israelites, and say, if you will send me somebody to fight with me, and if they can whip me, you all win. If I can whip them, we win. And he kept on doing that, and he was a giant. Uh, somewhere in one of my Bibles, I have the details about uh, how big he was, how tall he was, the, the weight of his sword and shield and things like that. It was mind-blowing how big that man was. And David was just a little lad. And he said, well, what's going to happen to this person who is uh, blaspheming God's army, who is doing what he's doing? And they were all afraid of him. They wouldn't. He said, well, I'll go take care of him. And uh, so he did. He went, and the giant was making fun of him and everything. And you remember what he said? Yeah, that's what he said. Am I a dog? That's what he said. Am I a dog? You send this kid to challenge me. And David said, when I was keeping my father's sheep and a bear came and stole the little lamb, I run him down, took him out of his mouth, and I killed him. And he said, a lion came and took a little lamb. And I run him down and took the little lamb back and I killed that lion. And he said, I'm going to kill you too. And David was skilled. Uh, I, have, I remember when I was younger that I took an ocean. I had had a Sunday school teacher to teach me what his sling was, how it was made. And I decided I was going to make me a sling. And I was going to get so good I could have hit somebody between the eyes. I wasn't going to do that, but that good, find a target like that. Well, what this was, it had a little pouch, a little leather pouch, and two strings, and he'd put a rock in there, and he'd spin it, spin it, spin it, and turn one of them loose. And that rock would go flying through the air, and the speed of it was something else. And it would have been about equal to a 38 special <laughs> in our day, probably. But he put, it, he put a stone in there, he picked up five, you know, in the little stream, and they say it was because uh, Goliath had, uh, had five brothers, and sure enough, the Bible says that he does. He did have that many, and so he took it out there, and he took his little stone, and he put it in there, and uh, he said, you come against me with your sword and shield, and I come against you in the name of the God that, that you are blaspheming. And he spinned it around and he hit that giant right between the eyes and he fell. And he took his sword. Did you know the Bible said he used that sword later on in his life and in his ministry? The point that I'm making was 
David's skills were learned as a shepherd boy. They were learned as a shepherd boy. And so th this is why uh, he had those skills. He had the skills of a warrior. And you've, if you've followed David's life, and some of you have in these messages on Sunday night related to him, you know that David, as a matter of fact, he was known as the shepherd king. Look with me, if you would, in Ezekiel. Ezekiel and chapter uh, 37. There's a passage there. It's, of course, not the only one. In fact, chapter 37. And here's what it says. It says something like this. I'll start reading in verse 21. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I... Now this is when... This was at the vision of the dry bones. And God's going to tell them that they're going to they're come back together and come to life and be a people again. And it says, And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and will gather them uh, on every side and bring them uh, into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountain of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore at all, neither shall they defile themselves anymore uh, with their idols, nor uh, with their detestable things, nor with any of, of their transgressions, but I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned and will cleanse them, so shall they be my people and I will be their God. Now who did that? You say, well, they did probably come to the conclusion themselves and they decided that they'd do it on their own. No, they did not. Let me tell you something. The God I know, the God of the Bible, He accomplishes His purpose in people's lives. He does that. And he goes on in verse 24, And David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall have one shepherd, and they shall also walk in my judgment, observe uh, all my statutes, and do them. So David was the shepherd king. That's who David was. I'll give you another text related to that. This is in the Psalms 78, if you want to look there. So David is called the shepherd king in Psalms 78. And um, here's what it says, beginning in verse 68 of that psalm, down to the end of the psalm. But choose the tribe of Judah, the Mount Zion which he loved, and he built his sanctuary like high places, like the earth which he hath established forever, and he chose David also, his servant, and took him from the sheepfold. And he really did. When God chose David, that's where he took him from. From following the youth, great with young, and he brought him and fed Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. He chose David from the sheepfold. Now the sheepfold was a place where the shepherds, and what happened was that the shepherds would lead their sheep. There wasn't any, wasn't any fences. There wasn't an electric fence. Sister Susie 
She, you see, I know something about sheep because on one side of me, I've got a brother that's a sheep herder and on the other side of me, I've got a brother that's a sheep herder. Now, they're not wool sheep. They're meat sheep. They're the sheep that people uh, make lamb chops with. And so it's a, a good productive thing for to farm them. So there's not a day goes by that I'm not observing the sheep. I really do. Sometimes they'll be right up to the fence at my backyard, and sometimes they'll be right up to the fence at my side, side yard. And I like to watch them. I like to look at them. But you see, they're different from they were in David's day because there wasn't uh, Ricky's sheep and Randall's sheep. They're just let go. And they are on their own because there's fences. And buddy, I know from Ricky's side, well, Randall's side too, you don't want to get anywhere near those fences. They are powerful and they'll give you a good shock of your life if you get anywhere around them. So they don't have to worry about their sheep straying. Did you know sheep stray? They stray. And I'll be sharing more with you about that. So I know a little bit about I know a little bit about sheep. And if they didn't have those fences, what those sheep would do, they would do like they would do in Bible days. They would wonder. And they would take off. They would just keep going. They have no sense of getting lost. If, if Cecil didn't have the fences that he's got, he probably, and he's had to do it before, he's had them to get out. And he's had to hunt his sheep. He's had to do like Jesus said he did in Luke chapter 15. If he had one go astray, he'd leave the 99 and go after that one. So I know he's had issues with that. I don't know of Ricky ever losing one. Well, he's not going to lose one. And Randall's not either because of the electric fences they've got. And them sheep won't get nowhere near that electric fence. They won't get nowhere near it because it's powerful. And if you've ever been into an electric fence, you know what that's like. I mean, it will light you up. You'd be like Elena was that time when she, I told her not to touch that wire. She was about three years old or four, something like that. I was working on fence, and it was Ricky's electric fence, and I said, now, honey, don't touch this wire right here. It's electric. Well, you know what that young and done? She reached and got a hold of that wire. She let out the office scream, jumped in my arms, and crying like you wouldn't believe. And she said, oh, Pappy, I've been electrocuted. <laughs> and then the next words come out of her mouth was, am I going to die? <laughs> so sheep are different today, but they, they're the same but they're handled different today. Now, i got some more I want to say about that, and so next Sunday night we'll pick it up. I may add to the message, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What do you think about that? Is that good or what? As a matter of fact, you hang with me on Sunday nights, and I promise you that I'll help you to put yourself right where this psalm has it. So, Let's pray together, and we want to remember our young people. I failed to mention them a while ago. They're all up at the shelter having their 
their thing. We miss them when they're up there, but we pray for them too. Father, thank you for the opportunity we've had to think a little bit about what David was saying here and to thank you for the ways that we can relate to the text in our own personal experiences. We ask you, dear God, to speak to us through these truths. Help us. I pray for everyone that will participate in these studies on Sunday night, and it will be a blessing. It's going to be a blessing to me whether it is to anybody else or not. So I pray. Lord, I want to remember our young people. Thank you for them. Thank you for those who work with them. And uh, bless them all to your own glory. In Jesus' name.